tonight. If you guys want to turn there in your notes. <clears throat> Again, we got through verse two last week. Lord willing, tonight we'll pick things up here in verse three and see if we can get down to verse eight. Title the last, the, the last message, a new heaven, a new earth. And then tonight, all things made new. And last week we saw how this time that we're in right now, Look, at this isn't the high point of God's eternal plan. I, I thought about that last week after I, I talked about that, how, again, Adam sinned in the garden and a curse came and, you know, the promise of the Savior and the groping all through the Old Testament for the Messiah to come. And Christ came and did what he said he was going to do and died and resurrected. And I said, this is the low point, the high parts, the new heaven and new earth. And there's, there's truth in that, but... I think I was mistaken because really the cross, the death, the resurrection is really the pinnacle of all of it. And so forgive me for that and thinking on that. But absolutely where we are right now and where the world is, it's, it's under a curse. Now that curse is lifted when we put faith in Jesus, have forgiveness of sin. We get that restored right relationship with God. And then we have a great hope in us of, again, Christ's return or us going to be with the Lord and deliverance from these things and fellowship with God and perfect fellowship with one another in Christ forever and ever. And we know that, again, the coming of the Lord, the great tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, that white throne judgment, and then this new heaven and new earth that we spent a lot of time looking at last week. I don't want to fully recap. If you weren't with us go back and listen it's online we got cds it's on youtube facebook it's all over out there uh that's coming soon and i'll tell you that's that's going to be a glorious glorious thing because we know the lord's last enemies will be defeated which is death and hades again all things we'll see tonight will be made new a new heaven and a new earth and again as glorious and beautiful even as this world is right now it's under a curse. And even heaven itself will be made new because we again saw last week that even heaven's been tainted by even Satan who has to give an account to God and also accuses us night and day, even right now. But we have an advocate in Jesus Christ who, praise God, defends us night and day. Boy, it's good. It's good when Jesus is your advocate, when Jesus is your attorney, so to speak. He's the only one who can get you off eternal damnation. The only one through faith in him, through him, again, paying the penalty of our sin, taking the wrath due us and then laying down his life and defeating death in his resurrection. So again, we'll read verse one and two here again. And then as we go past that tonight, we'll see in this new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Everything old passes away. All things will be made new. We'll see though in the midst of that, there still absolutely will be that eternal damnation that will be separated from that new heaven and new earth. That's absolutely spoken of in the text here. But we'll see again a call in this for living waters. Not just those living waters that will be in that new heaven and new earth, which we'll get more into down the road. But even the new waters or the living waters available tonight, freely for any who thirst. 
for that filling of the Spirit of God, the work of God in our lives right now. And that's what's so glorious about this. We have such an awesome future in the Lord. But listen, God's here right now. The Lord's working right now. God wants to, again, lavish you with his love and and bring you into a deeper walk with him day after day right now. I mean, he tells us he's, he's with us till the end of the age. And I know every believer, you know what, at least we should yearn for revival in our nation, desperately needs a revival. But let me tell you, the Lord wants to revive us every day. You know that? Every day he wants us to have a revived walk with him, an ongoing and abounding one. And that, that's available to us right now. Uh, through drawing near to him, through abiding in him, walking in, you know, at the, the wealth of the spiritual blessings we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exciting. Because again, I read this and it's so exciting about what's to come and, and it's glorious and it's a glorious hope. But how awesome to know, again, the Lord's with us right now. How awesome even to gather together as the body of Christ and worship him tonight, to fellowship, beautiful fellowship, even hey, stand up and greet your neighbor. And there's some people that just sit there and smile like, okay, when are you gonna break them up? But how glorious. And in and, and God's word and so far, I mean, we're, we're such a blessed, blessed people. But again, we're gonna see in here that even our relationship with the Lord just is all the more purified, not on his end, but on our end, through all old things passing away, the sin nature, and even the declaration in here of, you know, I'll be, you're God and you'll be my children. So look at, let's read the text here. And then we're gonna pick things up here on verse three. Verse one though, he says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And we know it's reserved for fire. We see that clearly in Peter. These things are reserved for fire. And we need to remember that. And our staff devotion this week in, 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 uh, over in the office on Tuesday morning, we're going through 1 Corinthians and we're in chapter seven and it says those that buy shouldn't live as if they possess. You know what? We're stewards of what God's put into our hands, but we shouldn't live as we possess it because ultimately it's God's, but also we need to know all of these material things that are reserved for fire. I think it's a healthy viewpoint. It really is. The Bible says we're tent dwellers, we're sojourners, we're pilgrims. And when we don't have that mentality, it's easy to move into this place where stuff owns us. And we find our refuge or our security in stuff. And it's easy to move into an idolatry with stuff. But when you step back and realize everything I have, it's given to me to be a steward of what really belongs to God. It's all God's. And it's really a greater privilege to be a steward of what belongs to God versus just owning your own stuff if you really think about it. But it's also healthy to remember that all of this stuff, this building and everything here, everything we own, it's reserved for fire. I think it's so healthy because it keeps you from cleaving onto it and worshiping it and finding you know what, uh, uh, security in it versus just saying, look, it belongs to the Lord and I want to steward it for the glory of God. I want to use it for the glory of God. I know in our discussion, we even talked about our facilities and things, and we're blessed. I mean, we, we have a, 
a blessed facility. A lot of effort's been put into it over the years, and we're blessed that it's paid off and, you know, projects going on and so forth. But I shared in that devotion that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this text, and my mind often goes back to that passage there in First Corinthians, those that buy shouldn't live as if they possess. And I had a thought that week of, you know, uh, how freeing it is when we, when we, you know, prepare for VBS and we make all of these like cardboard backgrounds and the octopus and the whale out there we have this year and all that stuff. We know that it's preserved for the dumpster. <laughs> it's used for that week. And, and even a few weeks before and kind of drumming up the excitement and the kids get excited and, and we just use it though as a platform to share Jesus with these kids. But we know it's all preserved for the dumpster. You know, may, maybe you'll get one use afterwards and, and we're not cleaving to it. You know, we put a lot of effort, a lot of people put a lot of effort into it and it was glorious, but it's preserved for the dumpster and we'd be foolish just to say, man, that octopus up there, boy, we're, that was outside the door, you know, that thing, we're going to have it up there forever. That thing, it was a miracle. It stayed together up there for a couple weeks. It was literally tape and fishing wire. And we just, because the thing's arms were so, somehow we got it up there. And it was comedy if someone would have video the process of getting that thing up there. But it was reserved for the dumpster. And, and all, all of this stuff, even the beautiful things and the things we're blessed with, we're a blessed people tonight, Amen but it's all preserved for the fire and what's going to last again it's, it's going to be people either in glory or separated from god and it's really the things we do under the glory of god where he talks about talents and crowns and so forth and in glory those things to be taken to worship god with and it's very freeing and i just encourage you especially if you struggle with idolatry in those areas of of just wanting security and money and stuff and all those types of things and boy can come in all kinds of shapes and so forth that that you free yourself from that and saying look at ultimately none of this belongs to me i'm it's i'm a steward of all of this it belongs to god and so i want to steward it well i want to manage it well for the glory of god for the kingdom of god to minister to others to bring glory to the lord that that in, in what I'm blessed with, I'd be thankful for it, right? And, and also to know the day's coming. I'm, I come into the world with nothing and I leave with nothing. Those are facts. They absolutely are. And, and again, it all belongs to the Lord and it's reserved for fire. Get liberated from those truths. And the glorious thing though in, in, in Christ, yes, it's gonna pass away and then it's not like, oh, we're stripped of nothing. We're, we're the most wealthy people in the world with a wealth that will last forever a new heaven and a new earth are coming in fact the lord even said i'm there preparing a mansion for you right now in in christ and we'll get more into this new heaven and new earth and i'll tell you there's nothing here that even begins to compare with the glory of that i think about even like you know after jesus had rebuked the pharisees and passion week and the disciples are uncomfortable and they come out there on the all of it the lord's about to get that all of a discourse and they're like lord look at the buildings here and the stones and they're they're kind of trying to correct the lord like you're rebuking those pharisees but look at this look how awesome it is and the lord says there's not one stone here that will be left on top of the other it's passing away and they say what will be the sign of your coming in the age and he gives a whole discourse again of the end of the age which ultimately brings in this new heaven and new earth 
We're a blessed, blessed people. We're blessed now, and we got such great blessings coming. So again, the first will pass away, and then it says also there'll be no more sea, and yet we'll see in a little while or down the road in Revelation, or Lord willing, that there's a river of water that comes from the throne of God that waters these plants and the leaves and the fruits and things are for the healings of the nations. What a glorious thing. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And we talked about this last week, how again, Jerusalem is the only city in the world called a holy city. Israel is the only place called the holy land. That's a legitimate biblical title. It's a place that was set apart for the Lord and so much has unfolded there in the history of the world and scripture, including again, where our Lord would die for our sins and resurrect where again that temple was built before and even that tribulation temple will be built that won't be a temple of god it will be a temple of antichrist but indeed when the lord comes back he'll set foot up there and we talked a bit about that millennial temple that will be there for that thousand year reign before that new heaven and new earth but we need to know that in the tabernacle in the temple everything that was on that temple mount there in jerusalem it actually was just pattern after the heavenly jerusalem there's a heavenly jerusalem there's a heavenly temple there's a heavenly holy of holies that we even enter in in spirit because christ atoned for our sins and there's a veil in the old testament that would prohibit people from going into that place of intimacy with god except for the high priest once a year but the lord tore that so we can go boldly at any time and the lord invites us and longs for us to go before that again go before him in that holy of holies through what he has done and so it, again it's a picture really of of heaven coming down on earth and a merging of heaven and earth with this new jerusalem which absolutely seems to be the place where we will reside and so forth and in fact later in revelation there's dimensions of this thing that is like massive there in the middle east and so forth where it will go on the new heaven and new earth now notice verse three and we'll pick things up here he says and i heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and these shall be his people god himself will be with them and be their god and notice verse four, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. No crying in heaven. I'm gonna be glorious. <laughs> There'll be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega excuse me the beginning and the end i will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirst he overcomes shall inherit all things and i'll be as god and he shall be my son but the cowardly the unbelieving the abominable the murderers sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. And so if you by any chance have partaken of the lie of universalism, all things will be made new 
Yes, they will, but those that don't have faith in Christ will be subjected to that lake of fire forever and ever. Look at now's the time of decision. Today's the day of salvation. We're in the valley right now where people have to say yes to Jesus or no, I'll be my own Lord. I'm good over here. I'll take the counsel of the world. I don't want you, God, and God will honor that forever. Now again, verse three, he hears a loud voice from heaven. And again, there, there's a lot of loud voices in the book of Revelation. And I, I really believe, and I know many commentators as well believe, it, it's not just loud to get attention or it's definitely not loud to be obnoxious, but it just shows authority. This is a loud voice, a voice that just comes in and, and overrides whoever's speaking or talking. This is like an amen, the final authority, like so be it. This, this is it, you know, coming from glory itself. And really all God's word is that. God's word is, is yes and amen, the final authority. God's word that endures forever, that's never changing. God's word that will judge all things and God's word that absolutely contains the gospel that absolutely is the message of salvation delivered to us that through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven and be saved and know that we know we're right with God. So he says, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he'll dwell with them and these shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Really, it just, it's a picture of perfect unity with the Lord, perfect peace with God, a perfect contentment with the Lord. No other gods, again, no more of a sin nature, no more of a conflict with, with our flesh and a fallen world and Satan who comes along to steal, kill, and destroy. And and indeed, we can rejoice that tonight in Christ, he's our God and we're his people. And and we need to know that. Again, as Jesus, your Lord, he is your God and you absolutely belong to him. We're the children of God, again, by grace through faith in the Lord. And we want to stand in that and claim that and know that that's biblical. But really what's being spoken of here is, again, a, 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 a... Again, that relationship with nothing between us. Because again, it's not on God's end, but on our end. How many times do we get caught up in a wayward way? Again, God's faithful. God's good. God's grace is sufficient. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. But practically, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. That's indicating that practically in my life, yes, positionally I'm right with God by grace through faith in the Lord. Practically, I'm a work in progress. And unfortunately, during the course of the day, I don't always find myself doing exactly what God would have me to do or seeking the Lord the way that I should. Hopefully, I'm growing. Hopefully, you're growing. But let's face it, there's seasons and times and so forth. The Bible speaks much about drifting and, again, not abiding in the light and so forth. Praise God in this new heaven and new earth, all that nonsense will be put aside and there's going to be a perfect fellowship with him at every single turn with no more of these distractions, no more of these temptations no more of our stinking flesh where Paul even said, the apostle Paul said, I do the thing that I hate, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, that full deliverance is, 
is going to be there in this new heaven and new earth. Interesting, Leviticus 26, 11, God speaking to Israel. He said, I'll set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. And that was God's desire with him and Israel there in that old covenant. And he would separate her to bring forth the Messiah. And yet outside of maybe a few Old Testament pictures and a few Old Testament saints, and none of them lived up to what we're reading here in verse three. Again, there was just a, there, there was just a continual conflict between the people of God and God, not because of God, but because of the people of God. And it's really like what he's saying here is a foreshadow of that ultimate fulfillment of this in the new heaven and new earth. Again, we'll be there tabernacling with God. He won't abhor our sin because, again, positionally and practically, there'll be no sin. And he will be our God, we'll be his people in a perfect, perfect unity. I think about Matthew 1 where it speaks of Christ coming and the fulfillment of Emmanuel, God with us. And indeed, Christ came, God came here to die for our sins. He was amongst us, but he was amongst us not just to check in, but to make the way so that we could absolutely be with God and fellowship with God and then ultimately go into this new heaven and new earth in a perfect, just at every angle, perfect relationship with him forever and ever and ever and ever. What a glorious future. Again, He's going to dwell with us. We're going to dwell with him. Verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And again, we know when man sinned in the garden, sorrow and pain came. Go read there in Genesis 3, where he says to the woman in verse 16, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain you shall bring forth children and they're brought forth in pain and they're glorious little blessings but boy there's some painful times in raising kids right and how much pain at times did we bring to our parents and you look around the world and it's just marked by so much sorrow and pain and suffering it's like what it says in job 5 7 i remember the first time i read this and i'm like oh man that's my life up to this point in a nutshell man is born to trouble and the sparks fly upward it's a fallen world it's a cursed world again when man ate god said if you eat of that tree you're going to die and he ate of that tree and a physical death set in a curse came on this earth relationship with god was completely broken but praise god he gave the promise of the messiah that serpent would bruise his heel but that savior would crush his head speaking of the lord jesus christ thousands of years before he would come but at this point again god's gonna wipe all those tears away every single one i love what isaiah 25 8 says about this he shall swallow up death forever again that happens that proceeds this new heaven and new earth right before the new heaven and earth comes and the lord god will wipe away tears from all faces the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken, the Lord's spoken. Every tear walk, washed away or taken away, every sorrow. 
No more death. Why? Because there's no more of a sin issue. The last death will be in that millennial reign when Satan's loose for a short time and goes and deceives the nation. And remember, they'll march up there to Jerusalem or try to once again to rebel against God. And it shows the difference between fallen man and glorious God. And it just says God, you know what, nips it. And absolutely from there, it's like we're done with this now. The great white throne judgment, Hades and death, done with forever. This new heaven, new earth, no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears. In heaven, there'll be no crying. And again, these tears are wiped ultimately, really not even at that point, but it's the product of what Christ did on the cross. As prophesied in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, 4, speaking at that time of Christ who was still to come, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. There's a great truth in this. Look at, in heaven, again, all those tears will be gone. But here on earth, there's tears right now, right? And some say, well, I'll never cry. I don't want to live for tears at all. But that's not what the Bible says. There's a place for tears today. There's a place for sorrow today. In fact, if you're in a place where you never grieve, you never sorrow, there's never any tears, there might be a problem. The Bible speaks about crying now and rejoicing later versus rejoicing now and crying later. There's times today where we should weep over our own struggles. Again, we know positionally we're right with God practically though. And we grapple with stuff. And we don't want to make light of that. We also don't want to let that come in and, you know, do things that Satan would want to do to bring a condemnation or to, you know, bring a a defeated attitude. We have victory in the Lord. And again, we're here to soldier on. A righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. And he rises again because he's righteous or she's righteous because of faith in Jesus Christ. But we also don't want to be in place where we just come callous to, you know, things that God's wanting to work out of us. And we read in James that's written to believers, a call to weep and mourn and lament over these things that God wants to get out of our lives. Notice James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Look at this. Is, I don't believe this is a call to, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, depressed Christianity. We're not called to that. We're called to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, Again, I say rejoice. We read that in Philippians. And we should be a joyful people even in the midst of struggles to know, but I'm washed, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord. But there's a balance where on one hand, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And when I'm in these places where it's like, man, I gotta get victory over this. I, I, want, I want to abound in the Lord. Really, it's a call not to make light of those things, but to lament over them, to weep over them, to have a broken, humble heart over these things coming to the Lord versus getting a callousness where we live like the world. And again, in a humility in that, as he says here, the Lord will lift you up. Victory practically over sin, it always starts with a brokenness. It really does. 
when there's believers who want to make provision for sin, want to dabble in it, you know, keep dipping their toes in the water and make light of it, you're not going to get victory over it. It starts by saying, Lord, I'm ready to get rid of this thing. I'm ready to get freed from it. Lord, it's not a good thing. I weep over the damage it's done, not only in my life, but how about this? Sin always damages others. Do we want to be a people that are so hard-hearted? Well, I can dip my toe in it, I'm safe, but every time you dip that toe, you're hurting others, and we're hurting our witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Again, we don't want to get so callous that a hurting brother or sister comes along a you know an, an ugly situation in the world around us and boy there's ugly situations every day we want to be strong we absolutely you know want to be strengthened by god but we also want to be you know with that there, 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 there's a call to a sensitivity where it's not just well that's their problem that's not my problem there's a lot of that today there's been a great increase in the last few years of, well, I just look out for me, my own, and everything out there, I don't care. I gotta be savage to be able to even survive. Where the scripture says, weep with those who weep. Lord, I, I just pray, I pray the Lord would just give us more empathy and, and more compassion that as the world gets harder and harder and you know, one of the marks of the last days is the love of many will grow cold and boy, that's happening. My hope would be for us I know my, my prayer for myself, my family, our fellowship is that we, we would be the opposite. We'd be growing with compassion and empathy and, and wouldn't grow hard like the world. And just look at that ugliness of the love of many growing cold and the fits people have and the, the nastiness. Man, let's look at that. And, and, and when you see it played out, I don't know about you, but I, I, I go, I don't, I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to say that with a, I'm holier than you because I'm, I'm just saved by grace. But how ugly if Christians are behaving like the world versus having compassion on one another. And for that matter, even so many hurting people out there, hopefully it's a thing as we go throughout our day, we're seeing hurting people around us because hear this tonight, those are all ministry opportunities. Amen. And we should be coming together and here apart to get built up, encouraged and equipped to go and to minister to people. Oftentimes when people are broken, it's the greatest opportunity that we have come in to help them practically and share Jesus with them. The Bible talks about weeping in prayer and worship. Psalm 56, 8, you number my wonderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. How beautiful, when I cry out, the enemies turn back. Again, it, it, it's a picture of caring. It's a, it's a picture of being engaged in the things of the Lord. It, it's a picture of a soldier of Christ who understands, look at, I gotta be crying out to the Lord and, and, and calling to him and even bringing my pain and sufferings now to the Lord in worship of God, which I know it's not a call to muster up false tears, but I can tell you this, there's been, been a few times in my life, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, I can think of three, four, five times where it wasn't until the Lord triggered something in me where I just wept 
that healing came and, and like a, a, a you know what a, a type of breakthrough came and the, the page got turned think of a few times where just it seemed like all the walls were, were coming in and like how am I here and just okay Lord I gotta go get on my face before God and just somewhere in there and, and I know there's some people they just kind of cry on cry on to man that's not me <laughs> but we're just like a, a like a floodgate and just just a, a, a an intimacy with the Lord and a healing from the Lord man maybe you're in a just a real difficult place or just in a rut or in a place where, you know, damage was done to you. And yes, God's forgiven, but you maybe just feel like the weight of it or there's unforgiveness or bitterness or just, just strongholds. Man, get on your face before God. And, and again, not to try to drum something up, but ask just for the Lord to work and worship him and praise him. And, and it, it may be that just via those tears that he's gonna collect in that bottle is gonna be the, that, that way of deliverance or bringing you into a new place. Again, in, in the new heaven, new earth, won't be any crying. No tears, no sorrow. You'll never have a down day in the new heaven and new earth. Isn't that good? No depression, no lack of hope. No, oh, but I'm bored up here. We've been up for so long. No, a perfect desire for God, perfect contentment in the Lord. But we're not there yet. And it's a fallen world. And if you're just happy-go-lucky with all of this and these things are nowhere in your walk that's problematic jesus said in john 16 20 most assuredly say to you they will weep and lament but the world will rejoice and you'll be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned to joy and he's speaking there about his death and then that resurrection that would come and boy again there's a lot of people in the world that just party and you know they're just seeking a good time and God blesses us with, with, with so much goodness. There's no doubt about it. It's a goodness that the, the, the world can't get. But let's just not get caught up in the, in, in the you know, the, the folly of that. The Bible says about Jesus that he was a man of many sorrows. Yet we also know that he exemplified and had a genuine joy of the Lord at every turn because the Bible commands us to rejoice always. And our life should be in that place. It's been described before as a coin where you got heads on one side and tails on the other. And we have the joy of the Lord. We have the hope of the Lord. But at the same time, while having that joy and that heart of thanksgiving, there's a, there's a soberness of what's going on around us. That there's people dying and going to hell. That there's a spiritual war being waged. That I got a call to be holy as God is holy. There's brothers and sisters that need to be ministered to. Uh, uh, You know, not just living for a good time. And again, you walk with Christ, there could be a lot of good times. Make no mistake about that. I'm having a good time tonight. But I want to sober up. There should be sober tears. And again, we're, we're not talking about an out of balance here. But again, in that new heaven and earth, no more tears, no more sorrow. It says here, back to this, where's that verse at? And then it says, no more death, because again, no more sin, and there should be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And it seems that we'll be aware of the former things, but at the same time, the former things aren't gonna dominate our mind. I don't know how this will work out, I fully don't believe like all this 
will be wiped away and then like, oh, how'd I get here? I, I, I just don't see that biblically. But I think really it's gonna be entering into a, a maturity and an understanding of viewpoint that God has of everything that we, we, we just don't have or if we see it through a dim glass, again, we, we, we don't fully grasp it. There's so many mysteries in the scripture while giving us enough to know what needs to be done to get saved and what it's supposed to look like to be a follower of the Lord. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create a new heaven and new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So again, I don't know exactly how all that works. I know we're gonna know one another. That seems real clear in scripture. I mean, at the Mount of Transfiguration, John, Peter, and James knew, okay, well, that's Elijah and that's Moses there. The Bible talks about us being caught up together. And he says, you know, comfort each other with this. And if we're caught up together, then all of a sudden, well, who are you? I don't know, who are you? Then where's the comfort in that? You know what I'm saying? So I really believe what's being alluded to here is again, just just the fall, the fall in the world. I mean, there's there so, so many things that if I could wipe them out of my mind right now, it'd be glorious. Things that happened to me, things that I did that didn't bring glory to God. I know, I know they're covered by the blood. They're still, they still happen though. And God deals in realities, but they're obviously not gonna come to mind in the sense that there won't be remembered or come to mind, but, but that, it, it doesn't say the memory of them will be gone. It just is, it's just not going to dominate. The, the dominant thing is going to be, here's God, new heaven and new earth. He's our God. We're his people with a perfect joy and contentment forever. It says there'll be again, no more death because there's no more sin. And listen, this is a huge thing because there's a lot of people today that are liars and their lies crept into the church that says there's no way God created the world in six days. It had to be through evolution. And if evolution's true, that means God's the author of death. Oh, 13 billion years of evolution. That's stuff dying. And they even say that, you know, man even evolved out of the, out of the swamp. And finally, you know what? The, the monkey became enough of a man that God said, we have Adam and Eve here. You know, evolution is blasphemy against God. It's saying God authored death. God told Adam, the day you eat of that tree, you're gonna die. Everything changed, and I'll tell you, I, I, I'll go off on a rant on evolution anytime. It's utter nonsense, though. Utter nonsense. That's people grasping at straws to try to explain away God who convicts them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The design of everything's around us and it comes from a designer. Explosions don't produce order, big bang people. They bring chaos. An amoeba does not have the DNA of a human being. Where did all that information come from? I could go on and on and on. True science, I believe in science. True science teaches life can only come through life. Please fact check me. But see, it's an assault on God and it's assault that's even got up into the church. You know, Billy Graham was an evolutionist. 
Dude has some whack stuff, let me tell you. Not downplaying that, look at the gospel was often there. People got saved, but God did not use evolution. There's a lot of these guys today has become popular and there's one reason why. They want to be spoken well of of all men. And the Lord says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Again, when there's a new heaven, a new earth. Why? Because there's no more sin. Sin brought death. You take care of sin. When sin's gone, death and Hades are thrown into the fire. There's absolutely Again, no death. Death came when man sinned in the garden, in the new heaven and new earth. When sin's no longer an issue, death is no longer an issue. People are rewriting Genesis when they hold on to that. And again, it is a great distortion of God's word. And I'll tell you, if you get the first chapter wrong in the Bible, oof, what are you gonna do with the rest of it? What are you do with the rest of it? And then no more pain. Again, that fall brought pain. No more physical pain. No more mental pain. No more emotional pain. No more spiritual pain. No more pains in your neck from situation and let's face it, other folks at times. It's all gone. No more pain. Now notice here, we'll move over to verse five and we'll see how far we can get. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Again, he who sat on the throne, it's the Lord. And notice where he is, he's, he's sitting on the throne. And I've touched on this. I think every time we've seen this alluded to in Revelation, God is sitting on the throne right now. The Lord is not panicked. The Lord's not, oh, what are we gonna do? Pacing around, oh, oh that's it how are we going to get him out of that one he's sitting on the throne he is god trust in him i've been thinking a lot on this verse meditating a lot on this verse hebrews eleven six. but without faith it's impossible to please him for who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him believing he is and i'll tell you he is and he is sitting on the throne and just side note as i've been thinking a reward of those who diligently seek him what are these rewards and i had epiphany the other night the the greatest reward is him (laughs) and relationship with him because you're diligently seeking him But you're like, well, I diligently seek God, but I still diligently seek God for for A, B, C, and D, for me. No, you diligently seek him and you find a deeper relationship with him and there's so much there than anything else. And look at, God takes care of all that stuff as you seek him first. The Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff will be added unto you. Again, behold, I make all things new. I got the verses there in Genesis because this is kind of two studies that became one. It looks like it's going to become three. 
It's nice to have liberty on Wednesday nights. I can't do this on Sunday because I got to end at the same spot. But all things will be made new, not some things, all things. They'll be made new and hear this, they'll stay new forever. If there's some mode of transportation in heaven, you know, I don't know, like is it, we know Jesus has walked through walls and appeared and ascended. So do you, do you really need a vehicle of some sort? But if there is, you'll never get that first scratch. It will be new forever. Your mansion won't need to be re-roofed a million years into eternity. All things will be made new and they'll be new forever. And we know these bodies will be transformed and made new. Mortality will be swallowed with immortality and it won't be like a million years into eternity. You know, are there any chiropractors in heaven? No. Well, I'm sure there'll be some there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All things made new. Again, you go back to the first. It starts off so good in Genesis. Then you get to three. Oh, no, what's going on? And then finally, we're at the end of these last two chapters. All things made new. And again, it all centers around the work of the cross through Jesus Christ coming. Because if Christ never came and died for our sins and rose from the grave, none of this would be here. And again, praise God in Christ today. We know 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So again, we're forgiven. We're washed. We have newness of life. And then I think of scripture oftentimes a prophecy. It's prophecy on prophecy. Then the ultimate fulfillment in this new heaven and new earth. It's like a picture of just that ultimate fulfillment of it. But in Christ, we're registered in Jesus tonight. You're, you're registered in heaven. You got, a, you got a reservation in heaven. Isn't that glorious? With, with, a, with a, a mansion up there, you know. The Lord knows all the details of that. So these effects of sin and sin will, will be gone forever. And he says, write these words, write for these words are, notice you're true and faithful. This is the Lord speaking. He says, these words are true. These words are faithful. So maybe you're saying, that sounds good, but can this be true? Jesus says, these words are true and faithful. God's word is true. Proverbs 8, 8, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. I tell you guys, I've been teaching the Bible verse by verse for 25 years. Week in, week out. Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. A Monday chapel. A Bible study on Tuesday morning. Family devotions on these nights. But over and over and over. I believe God's word more than I've ever believed it. It's, it's, it's a privilege because the more you walk with them, the more like, it is true. It is true. I mean, walk with the Lord for, you know, start getting 5, 10, 15. I know some of you guys got 50, 60, 70 years under your belt. And then you go read those Proverbs. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, this is all true. I remember the time I did that. Oh, spot on. And then, you know, you try not to let your mind, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He did that. Ooh, the Bible says it right here. Hopefully, then you go, I pray for, I'll pray for him right now, you know. I know a brother got saved through reading Proverbs. 
got born again through Proverbs. Because as he read, he's like, this, I've never seen anything. This is all true. This has to be inspired by God. And again, they're true and they're faithful. And the words are true and faithful because God is faithful to uphold his word. And listen, it's true to every generation. Even this one that so desperately, so desperately wants to get rid of God's word. So desperately wants to abandon the ordinances of God, not just in the world, but so much in Christendom. I get, I get so many news reports and stuff. I subscribe to some things because it just saves me a lot of time. And I, I read today, and I, I don't know if it's all of the Mennonites or just part of them, but the, the Mennonite, I'm sure there's probably multiple denominations or seg, sects or segments of it. They came out of the Anabaptists, which were, they weren't really protesters or reformers because it was a Christianity that was almost side by side during so much of Catholicism. I mean, this goes way back. And they voted today that we need to apologize to LGBTQ and start being inclusive. What's wrong with you people? Do you think God's words change? That's not love and that's not good news. Let me tell you, that, that's a harsh lifestyle. That's a filthy lifestyle. There's many of them. You gotta go in the nitty gritty of what that is. You think that's good news to let this little girl think she's a boy and we'll put her on hormones and then we're gonna, we're gonna mutilate her body or his body? That's satanic and wicked. And yet almost every day I re- read a report of that as some church or some denomination doing that. By the way, that's fulfillment of prophecy. It's an apostasy the Bible said would happen before the coming of the Lord. I got better news for those folks. Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. He wants to forgive you. He wants to renew your mind and make it right. That's also true for heterosexual fornicators, gangbangers, people in cults, just a plain, well, I'm a good guy, but you're a sinner, bro, and you're going to hell. You need to repent because it's only through faith in Jesus is gonna save you. That's good news. And that's the good news we better never be ashamed of because that's the good news that saved you and that's the only good news that will save whoever's out there outside of Jesus Christ. Verse six, we'll close on this one. Hopefully, we'll get through four verses. That's doubled up from last week. And he said to me, notice, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Look at on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He atoned for our sins. And the day's coming when he's gonna say, it is done. All these dispensations are over. It's, it's like a, a, a period of time. Like right now, we're the dispensation of the church age and there's gonna be the tribulation, Daniel 70 a week and then the millennial reign of Christ and then that end where there's this white throne judgment, all this and then new heaven and new earth and it is done. Only one eternal dispensation there forward. Him being our God, we being his people. Old things not coming to mind, every tear wiped away, perfect fellowship with God and one another it is done and again to be part of this day to hear him say it is done 
then again, you need to receive him now and be part of the it is finished statement when he atoned for our sins at the cross of Calvary. I hope we all know him here tonight. If you don't, you need to call upon the Lord. It's, it's a humbling of the heart. I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me. And I'm, I'm turning from being my own Lord to see Jesus be the Lord of my life. I'm putting faith in you. Repentance and faith are really the same. The only way you can put faith in Jesus is you're like, I'm, I'm not, this is not my Lord anymore. This is my Lord. I put faith in him. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then notice, this is the Lord speaking. He says this in Revelation 1.8, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. That's God. Oh, is Jesus God? Jesus declares himself to be God. Who is, who was, who is to come. No beginning, no end. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. And listen, whatever going on in your life, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end wants to come and minister to it. I think he's capable, don't you? And then we'll just close with this. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And again, we'll read, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. Look at read ahead by all means. There'll be this fountain of water that comes from the throne of God. But, but we don't have to wait till then. <laughs> we, we, we don't have to wait. Jesus said in John 7, 37, on the last day of that great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John wrote, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Once the Lord atoned for our sins, rose from the grave. Remember, he appears to his disciples and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Because now God could come dwell in them because their sins were paid for. And then the Bible, again, speaking of these living waters. It's a picture of a fellowship with God. Again, a thirst for God. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. What are you thirsty for tonight? What are you hungry for? I'm gonna tell you, the Lord is the only one who will satisfy you at the same time wanting to stir you up to have more of a hunger and a thirst for him. Everything else will leave you thirsting. It will leave you hunger, hungry. Hey, there's, there's so many accounts of people reaching the pinnacle of what they wanted, you know, the, 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 the championship, you know, all the accolades and over and over again. I got it and I, I felt empty. Never the case with the Lord where there's a satisfaction while him wanting to stir a hunger and a thirst for more. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for these shall be filled. And I'll tell you in my own walk, one thing I try, to, I try to watch for, one thing I try to look for, I pray, Lord, throw up a red flag when I'm in that place where I don't have a hunger for you. I don't have a thirst for you. Alert me, God, let me see it. 
Let me see it right away. Where's my hunger? Today, am I hungry for God? Am I thirsty for God? Is that there? If it's not there, then Lord, Lord, stir up my hunger, stir up my thirst. Let me get before you, Lord. I say he's always faithful to, to stir it up when we get before him. But if you lost that hunger and thirst, you need to absolutely ask God to renew that and even begin forcing your flesh to come before the Lord and take authority over that. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Lord, stir that up in me that I would begin to seek you. And I'll tell you, he absolutely will always satisfy while stirring that up and just bringing a contentment that you can't find in anything else nothing else well lord god we praise you lord i thank you that we got here to verse six these things are so good i i hope and pray lord that and i believe there is lord tonight a lot of things we've looked at that are just encouragements for right now lord some some lord probably warnings right now reminders right now we just thank you that you're with us right now that you're our lord and i just would hope and pray god we'd be a people growing in empathy god a people with a hunger and a thirst for you a people set apart from the world while being in this world that desperately needs you just help us meet every every person where they are here tonight if you haven't called on the lord i would just hope and pray tonight you call upon jesus Ask him to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior. He'll meet you where you're at. And we just thank you, God, for indeed the great future and hope we have in you. I thank you that these words are true and faithful. We just thank you, God. We praise you. We thank you that you're the author of life. We just give you praise. And we ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. amen. God bless you.